You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Because nope. I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th, hosted by Kevin Hart. The seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. Welcome, everybody, to another edition of the Wine and Gold Talk podcast. I'm Hayden Grove, joined, as always, by Cleveland.com, our very own Cavalier reporter, Chris Fedor. And Chris, uh, it is a rainy Monday, but how was your weekend? (laughs) Man, weekend was good. This weather needs to really change um, for the better if it can. I don't know if it can. I was really hoping, Hayden, to get at least one more round of golf in. and it just doesn't seem like Mother Nature is going to cooperate at this point in time. The only time that we've gotten a break where the weather's nice enough, it was after raining for three, four days, and the course probably would have been swamped. So, you know, it was a quiet weekend. Didn't really have an opportunity to do a lot because of what the weather is. You there? I'm here. You? We, we lost you on that second. What did you say? I said, um, didn't get to do a lot because of the way that the weather is. There's not a lot of options when the weather is the way that it is in Northeast Ohio, you know? Yes, agreed. And like, you know, it's it's just that fall time where it's going to be cold and I think it's going to transition into like the, you know, that just like dreariness soon. So, <laughs> you know, I'm, I'm, I always, I'm, I'm the biggest Christmas person in the world. I love Christmas. So I'm, you know, yeah. November and December I love, but uh, then January comes along, and you're like, okay, can we just be done with this? <laughs> right, right. I'm, I'm not looking forward to that. That but is. But I sure. will, I will say this. Um, so my wife and I have decided, uh, what we did throughout quarantine is we went through a show uh, that we both wanted to watch, and we either caught up on it or we finished the the series. So we finished Criminal Minds. I don't know if you've ever seen that. Yep. Okay. So we finished the whole series. I was a bit behind because I didn't watch as much during the season. So we watched season 14 and season 15 together. A couple episodes, different nights. Saturday night has kind of been, there's not a lot of options that you can do. I guess you can go out sort of, but you really have to be careful about the people that you're surrounded with in this kind of environment. Sure. So Saturday night has been stay in and watch show night for us. There you and go. we decided this past weekend, Hayden, that we were going to go to the very beginning of one of the greatest series of all time. My wife has not seen a single episode or she hadn't seen a single episode until this past weekend. Friday night lights. There you go. You're one of your all-time favorites. Oh, back to the beginning. And we watched the first two episodes, and she really, really likes it. So we're going to continue watching it all the way through. I can't wait. 
I you I know you love that show. Uh, you, I do. We, we've, we've talked about you loving that show on this podcast, so I'm sure that's exciting for you that you now get to share it with your wife. Yeah, I hope she. I, I hope mean, she love. I hope she loves it as much as you do. So that's the thing. Like, there are so many things that I've experienced in life that I want to bring her to be a part of. Like for a long time, I had talked about New York and how much I love the city and how much I just wanted to share that with her. So last August. We went to New York together on a trip, and she loved it. We had a great time. We did so many different things. This was obviously pre-COVID. Right. So now I said, look, I love Friday Night Lights. It's one of my favorite shows of all time. I want to share that with you as well. And the fact that she loved the first two episodes as much as I did, and she wanted to keep watching it, like that makes me feel really, really good. I can't wait to to watch the whole thing with her. See what I missed, by the way. See yeah, if there's yeah, anything I don't a... remember. Right. You always get a good refresher when you go back and watch a show. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Like, I I, I binged Sopranos during um, during quarantine, and, like, it became automatically my favorite show. But now, now I, like, want to go back and rewatch it just because there's so much I would still miss and, like, you know. Yeah. Still a lot that I would, you know, look at it in a different way and such, but... That's awesome. That's glad. I'm good to hear. I'm glad to hear that she's enjoyed it thus far, and I hope she only continues to enjoy it yep. as we go forward. When did that get off the air? So it was on for five seasons, if if I remember correctly. I believe I believe that it started in 2006. Yeah, I'm okay. pretty sure it was 2006. So 2011 would make sense. Got it. Got it. Got it. Got About it. 10 that, years yeah, ago. that's a that's around the that's exactly like my. I think that's exactly the time that I was in high school. 2000. Yeah, 2007 through 2011. Does that make oh, or 2008 through 2011? You're making me feel old. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, somebody said something yesterday. I made him made him feel old. I don't know. I mean, I'm I feel like I'm old. I'm 27. I feel like I'm <laughs> I'm about to be 30. I feel like my life's about to start just being. I don't know. I don't know. I mean, I feel like age is nothing but a number. I think you're. It's more about what your mind and your heart are and yes. what you do. So. Who are you, Aaliyah? Age ain't nothing but a number. Yes, yes. I will gladly take that. I, I say it all the time. I say it all the time. Age ain't nothing but a number. So I'll take it from Aaliyah. Um, I do want to get into basketball because we have talked okay. uh, We have talked a lot about what we wanted to talk about today. Yeah. And you have talked a lot about Andre Drummond recently. Andre Drummond, obviously a large part of what the Cavaliers, you know, are looking forward to next season. Um, but it's not even a guarantee that he will be uh, with the team. You know, obviously he has a player option, but uh-huh. it seems very much likely that he will he will um, opt in with the Cavaliers. Is there anything that's changed on that? I mean, from what you've talked to or from what you've heard from him and from around the organization? I talked to him last week, middle of last week. First of all, it was great to catch up with him. He was in Miami working out. He's been in Miami working out. One of the things that I thought was really interesting that he told me was that for one week, um, for one week earlier, uh, I think it was July. Yeah, I think it was July. Kevin Porter Jr. went to Miami, stayed with Dre for a week and worked out with him. And it seems like Andre is really committed to trying to get these young guys um, and take them under their wing. And and I think that's important because the Cavs could be in danger of losing a guy who did that last year and a, the year before that with Tristan Thompson. 
You know, Tristan Thompson was somebody who took Darius Garland under his wing. He gave advice to Kevin Porter Jr. Now, do the Cavs have other guys that can do that? Sure. Larry Nance Jr. stepped into that role. You know, Kevin Love obviously is that kind of person. Matthew Delavadova was as well. But the more guys you can have that do that, the better. So when Andre told me that, I was like, well, wait a minute. If you're saying that you're committed to to helping KPJ take his game to the next level and become the star that you think he can be, does that you would have to be in Cleveland for that to happen. So does that mean that you've made a decision on your player option? And of course, he said what he's going to say. He doesn't want to reveal too much. He probably wants to reveal it at the time that's right for him. Um, the sense that I got is that, yeah, he is considering all options, just like everybody should do at this point in time, Hayden. And the other sense that I got is that it's tough for him to have any certainty or anybody to have any uncertain, uh, any certainty in a situation that's so uncertain. You know what I mean? Right. Like nobody knows what the salary cap is going to be. Nobody knows what free agency is going to look like. Um, Andre doesn't know for sure which teams are going to have cap space. There are projections out there, but what if the projections change based on what happens with the salary cap? Now, all of a sudden, maybe his options are a little bit limited. So I think everybody just wants to take a step back, get some clarity, get some answers before committing one way or the other. But at the end of the day, Andre has said this. I've talked about this. Usually in free agency, Hayden, you follow the money. And the only right. place where Andre is going to get $28.7 million is here in Cleveland, and that's by opting into his contract. And at the end of the day, of all the different things that he's going to consider, there isn't a situation that is going to be better from a basketball standpoint and from a financial standpoint. Like, it's not like there's this team out there that is in a significantly better position moving forward into the future than the Cavs that can also give him money. It's Charlotte, it's New York, Detroit, not going back there. We know that. No. Atlanta, um, maybe Memphis. Uh, that's it. Those are the options. So there's no place where he can get playoff contention and big money. So I think opting in and, and being with the Cavs is the most likely option for him. I still think it's the highest probability, but I do get the sense that in truth he is torn about this decision because it's a significant one. Yeah. It, I mean, it's definitely a, a very, 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 very meaningful decision for him. Um, but it, I mean, the Cavaliers from what you've, from what you've written and from what you've talked about with Andre and with JB Bickerstaff, it seems like um, they very much are looking forward to having Andre and they yep. very much are looking forward to what he's going to bring to the table. So, I mean, are they wanting him to do this sooner than later um, you know, they've obviously him and what they want. He, uh, what the conversations have been like between he and the team and what the future um, plans look like for Andre. So I sat down with J.B. Bickerstaff on Friday at this event that the Cavs had at Rocket Mortgage Fieldhouse for a drive-through uh, food distribution. And Andre came up. I, I told J.B. that I was going to ask him about Andre. I had to ask him about him. And obviously, there's not a lot that the Cavs can say. There's not a lot that J.B. Bickerstaff can say. Right. But, um, you know, he's been in conversation with Andre Drummond. 
Um, from what JB told me, those conversations have been positive and they've been about here's how I see you helping. Um, here's where you fit best offensively and defensively. Andre asking questions about the system, about fit, about lineup rotations, about combinations, like all those different things are happening. Um, that would lead you to believe that if those conversations are happening about next season and about the future, that it would make sense that there is a belief with the Cavs, with Andre, that he's going to opt into his contract and he's going to be with the team. Um, but I just don't think the Cavs have a firm commitment from Andre at this point. I don't think Andre is ready to make a firm commitment at this point either. Um, but yeah, they, they see him as a big piece of this thing moving forward. And, and that's what I asked JB. The way that I phrased it to him, I said, look, like you said when you acquired Andre that he is a tough fit just because he's so different. He's so different from what you've had on this roster and he doesn't fit everybody. Not every team in the NBA is going to want somebody like Andre because they're going to want to play a different kind of style. So how difficult is it for you as a coach to, to start planning for next season when you have such a significant piece that could shift both what you do offensively and defensively in such a drastic way, and you have no uh, certainty on what he's going to do or whether he's going to be with you guys. And the way that JB said it to me is that I haven't begun planning without Andre Drummond. So everything that the Cavs have planned um, on the court is with Andre Drummond um, back with the team and going from there. And then if they have to change that, if if Andre shocks everybody and he doesn't pick up his option, then the Cavs will make adjustments based on that. I mean, from your conversation with Andre, um, mm -hmm. and I know you talked to Andre and JB Bickerstaff, like, does it, I mean, you know, obviously he hasn't made a decision yet and obviously it's still up in the air and he's just doing the smart thing and going through his options. But is there any sense that you got that he would even like seriously consider not not opting in? Um, I didn't get that sense. No, um, but but I think he's been around long enough um, that he knows how to answer these kinds of questions. Right. So um, everybody else that I've talked to around the NBA thinks that he would be crazy to opt out um, and they they always say the same thing, you know, follow the money. But um, I just I just don't know like how anybody could have a firm declaration one way or the other when there's so much up in the air this offseason, not from the Cavs standpoint, but right. from the NBA standpoint. Right. No, certainly, certainly. Um, you know, you kind of got into it with Andre and some, you know, some fun topics and what he's been doing um, in the offseason. Mm -hmm. uh, it's got to be just a weird time. I mean, he's not really, you know, he's he's de he's not technically not with Cavaliers organization until he opts in. Um, you know, he's been hanging out in Miami, working out. I mean, it just seems like it's kind of just been just he and his his best friend that I think he lives with or lives near yep. and they just they just hang out. And, and <laughs> that's really, really all it's all that they're talking about. Um, so like, this is the thing I, I, I think it's important to note this. He was not in the bubble. Everybody yeah. knows that I reported that 
but he was with the organization at Cleveland Clinic Courts about a month before the bubble. Okay. Because because about a month before the bubble, the Cavs brought everybody back to the the market, and they had like a trial bubble in some right. ways. And it was at Cleveland Clinic Courts, and it was practicing, and they couldn't do the things that they they did in the bubble from an on court standpoint. They couldn't practice five on five, they couldn't practice five on zero. The team regathered uh, again. It was team bonding. It was about basketball. It was the whole combination of things. Andre was there. And okay. I think that's important to note. So, yes. you know, it's not like he's gone dark this offseason and he's cut off communication with Kobe Altman and J.B. Bickerstaff and his teammates. Andre even told me that when he came to town for that trial bubble or whatever we want to call it, um, he was with them at Top Golf, right? He went over to Larry Nance Jr.'s house to watch the fight. Whatever fight it was, I don't know which one it was. I'm not into MMA like that. So he's staying in contact with various members of the organization. And I think that's very important to note. Yes, definitely. I think it definitely shows at least, you know, some form of interest and, and you know, some form of, you know, his, he's definitely thinking about it. Is there, did he, did he speak anything about what he was working on? I mean, is he just <laughs> staying in shape at this point? Is it something to where, you know, Everybody right now, I think, is either, you know, is working on their game, but I mean, some yeah. are probably doing very different things. Yeah, so he said something. We were talking about the big men and the death of the big man. And I brought up the Lakers winning the championship and the Nuggets making the run that they made in the postseason, Hayden. And I was like, do you think that's going to change anything? And he was like, you know, I don't know. I've heard for so long that the big man is dead. And then he said, basketball is basketball you're going to have to figure it out based on, you know, the way that the game is going. Right. So he mentioned in that response that he was working on different things, being able to dribble, shoot, be a playmaker, work off the ball. And so I asked him, I was like, are there things that you've identified in terms of your evolution? Or do you feel like you're just kind of the player that you are, you're nine years in or whatever it is, and, and this is who you are, and you continue to focus on the things that made you a two-time All-Star? And he said, I'm working on different things as we speak. Um, he didn't want to get into it, but I pressed him on it. So then he talked about shooting the three, ball handling, <laughs> being more consistent, finishing around the rim, uh, being able to make uh, passes out of the double team and if if he gets the ball at the elbow and things along those lines. And I know people don't want to hear that because they say, all right, Andre, don't focus on those things. Just focus on blocking shots, rebounding, uh, posting up every now and then. But it was clear and he posted some workout videos. He is working on that three. He is trying. I, I don't know where this came from. But he is trying to add that three ball and more perimeter oriented skills into his game. And we'll we'll see how that goes. But in the eight games with the Cavs, it didn't go great. Yes, we will. Um, that seems to be something that we continue to see from goodness, every big man from Tristan yeah. Thompson, who's, you know, added the three ball to his or trying to add the three ball to his game, who thinks right. he's added the three ball to his game. Larry Nance Jr., who's somewhat successfully added the three ball to his game. It's just that's the way of the modern NBA is that, you know, they're, they're you're looking for these stretch bigs and these stretch threes and all that. Right, um, but here's the thing, Hayden. 
so so I get a player wanting to do those things. Right. There, there's this whole saying about evolve or perish. I yes. completely understand that. And you're going to use the offseason to do different kinds of experiments. You'd be crazy not to. But doing it in the offseason and saying you're going to work on it in the offseason and then doing it in a game are completely different things. And on top of that, Hayden, you know this, not everybody is equipped to do certain things. Uh, you know, no. some, <laughs> some, sometimes you just have the skills that you have and these other ones can't be added. Like for Andre Drummond, it's hard for me to believe that a guy who is one of the worst free throw shooters in NBA history is all of a sudden going to become a, a reliable outside shooter or, or somebody who the Cavs are going to be okay with taking those kinds of shots in a game situation. For Larry Nance Jr., it's different, right? His form is different. His release point is different. He's a better free throw shooter to begin with, and that gives you a better baseline. You know, Brooke Lopez has added the three-point shot. But again, he was a shooter to begin with. Like, he had the form. He had the technique. He had enough good from the free throw line as a baseline where you felt like that skill – could be honed a little bit with more time and effort. You know, some guys just can't. Yeah, and like I think that's the one thing that you really, um, that you really nailed and hit the head on because I, I thought about that first and foremost when you said that this dude was a horrific yes free throw shooter, Hor- like historically bad yes at free throws, and he worked hard to at least be you know. I mean, I'm still not good, but like not the worst ever. And so that just makes me think if he is going to try to add this three ball to his game, I mean, how long is he going to have to work on it? I mean, it's that's going to take, I feel like that would take away from, you know, everything else that he's trying to do. Yeah. And I mean, they don't, that's not what made him a $28 million player, right? That's not what made him a two-time all-star. That's, that's not what made the Cavs go out and trade for him. They wanted this rolling athletic big man that could play some pick and roll with Darius Garland, Colin Sexton, and Kevin Porter Jr. And he could bring that particular element to the Cavs. He's like, is it great if you have these big guys who can shoot from the outside and space the floor? Sure, right? But that's not everybody's role. And I think sometimes when it comes to the fabric of the team, a very, very important thing is, Understanding your role, uh, recognizing what makes you great, and continuing to flourish with that. And the Cavs traded for him because they wanted somebody different from the other bigs that they had. And I I don't think the Cavs would be comfortable, um, and I don't think the Cavs would okay it if in a game situation, like Andre wants to be something other than this role man, this lob threat, um, especially on the offensive end. I, I I mean, I think you would say this, too. I think a lot of people would say this. I always believe that the best coaches are the ones that um, that mold their or play to the strengths of their players, you know, yeah. mold their teams around the strengths of their players. And, like, it's hard to do that. Andre Drummond is trying to change right. his game from being that athletic, you know, rolling big to a stretch five who can shoot it. I mean, it's just, you know, sometimes the players themselves have to stick to their strengths and, you know, not try to do too much. So, like, I even asked him this, Hayden. I said, was that prompted by the Cavs? Did they urge you to work on these different areas? 
Yeah. He said no. <laughs> Yeah. yeah. You know, yeah. because sometimes a team goes into the offseason and they give a one sheeter to a player and they say, hey, we want you to work this, this and this and this. For example, the Cavs um, with Kevin Porter Jr., they said, we want you to work on consistency with your outside shot, getting your elbow up and getting your release up. Not a complete overhaul of his shot, but a minor tweak so that he could be more consistent with his outside shot. With Darius Garland, they said, hey, look, we want you to work on pick and roll efficiency because that's something that we've been tracking for the entire season. So the Cavs didn't give this one sheeter to Andre Drummond and say, hey, like, we want you to become a stretch big man. Please work on this particular aspect of your game. Yeah, no, I I, I mean, I, I applaud Andre for his, you know, his work ethic and his, his um, desire to be better and to work on things. But like, I just hope that it doesn't go too far. Yeah. You know, I just hope that it doesn't go too far. Yeah. But again, I think he's a professional and I think he knows that, you know, that he'll you know, figure it out either one way or another. And, you know, once he gets back to the floor for the Cavaliers, I don't think they're going to be having him shoot more than a three pointer a game. Probably. Right. right. Probably. Yeah. Um, so with Andre, I mean, it's kind of set in stone. You know, we're just waiting for that decision to be made. Um, but you probably spoke with JB or you did speak with JB Bickerstaff a lot more than just about Andre. Um, so obviously Andre is a big part of this offseason for the Cavs. But what else did you really get into um, with JB Bickerstaff at this event? What didn't we get into? In fact, yeah. I got yelled at for how long I was talking to him. I don't blame you though. Like you, I'm, I'm kind of <laughs> glad you got yelled at. It's like, all right, you, you know, we've had such little interaction with people and like, like. <laughs> Screw that. I'm going to take every second I can. I know. Multiple members of the organization were like, are you talking about everything? Are you talking about life? What are you talking about with him? Um, so we talked about everything. We talked about how he proceeds moving forward in terms of what the Cavs do next, because they're kind of in this lull, right? Obviously, they're preparing for the NBA draft. That's November 18th. But the, the big off-season activity that everybody was looking forward to was the mini-bubble. And that's done. And there's no clarity on when the regular season is going to start. It could be December. It could be January. It could be February. It could be March. So we talked about just how does a coach um, go about whatever is left in this off-season because you don't want to run these guys too hard, right? You don't want to give them too much um, in terms of preparation for the regular season. But at the same time, Hayden, this is about the time where guys are usually ramping up for the regular season to start. Yep. So you have to find that balance, right? So we talked a little bit about that. We talked about the pressure that's on him to do something that no other coach has done in a post-LeBron era, which is make this group competitive. And we talked a little bit about the draft coming up and the amount of preparation that he has done with that. Um, in saying that, he told me that, you know, the number one goal, even though that the Cavs have money to spend in free agency, if they choose to go that direction, and even though they have the fifth overall pick, his primary focus remains the same. It's on the young guys on this roster, the internal options, and he feels like the best way for this team to grow and the best way for this team to take another step is internal. Yeah. 
I mean, it, it's what it seems like it has to be. I mean, we've talked about this before, about, you know, the internal nature of what the Cavaliers are going to have to be going forward. Mm-hmm. Um, because they just don't have the the capital. They don't have the, they don't have the salary. They don't have the. I mean, maybe they have the trade assets, but um, but again, why would you? Tra- I, we've we've talked a lot about potentially any of these guys being moved, but I think again, the focus, as you mentioned, is on the internal. Um, was there anything else that you took away from your your conversation specifically with uh, with JB? And um, it's just, I mean, it's just hard. I mean, I know that you probably asked him about everything and as you should have, because it's been such, you know, there's been such little going on, but there's also such little certainty that uh, of anything going forward, it's like, okay, what, do, you right. know, when is camp going to start? When is this going to start? When yeah. is that going to start? You know, it's just like we're throwing a darts at a dartboard with no circles on it. Yeah. I mean, not really. Um, the only thing that stood out to me is just, so we talked about the draft from the sense of some of these guys haven't played organized basketball in eight months, right? By the time the season starts, it could be close to a year. Yeah. So I said, look, you're going to have the fifth overall pick. You're going to draft somebody. What can you even honestly expect as a coach from a guy like that, given you know the way that things have gone throughout the course of this offseason? And with how short of time there's going to be, at least likely, from the time of the draft, November 18th, to the start of the regular season, which, according to reports, uh, the league is targeting December 22nd. Now, is that the date for sure? No, there's a lot of things that have to be worked out. There are a lot of negotiations that are going to take place between the players and the league um, over the next couple of weeks. But, but if that happens, if it's December 22nd or sometime in December, you're talking about a month in between drafting a guy and the start of the regular season. That's just not a lot of time. That's way less time than what you normally have from these kinds of young kids. So we talked a little bit about just expectations for rookies of this year compared to most years. And it stood out to me that he was like, you have to let all of these guys know from the very beginning what it is you want from them. And that's how you get them to buy in. That's how you get them to be unselfish. That's how you get the team success. Like if a fifth overall pick comes in saying, I've got to play like a fifth overall pick, I've got to do this, 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 and this, then you might have some problems. So, um, that's something that I thought was really, really interesting. Um, so from my perspective, depending on who the pick is at number five, I, I don't think that person is going to have a significant role, especially early on in the season, because I think that would be asking too much of that player. I do too. I, I definitely agree with you on that. Did you, did JB say anything about, I mean, obviously he probably pulled the one of the, um, oh, well, I can't talk about any players specifically or anything right. like that. Um, I mean, but there was there any sense of what they were, what he was looking at, what they were looking for? I mean, you know, outside of best player available? No, he wouldn't say anything. But my yeah. sources tell me that the Cavs front office gave JB and the coaching staff a list of different guys to evaluate, like closer than others, right? Obviously, you want to watch film on as many guys as possible. But there's a condensed list 
based on who could be available at five and based on who the Cavs have, quote unquote, in consideration at five. Right. And I'm told that that list includes Obi Toppin, um, Onyeka Kongwu, um, Isaac Okoro, uh, James Wiseman, and Denny Avdia. Those are the guys that the coaching staff were told to focus on first and foremost. Okay. So that, yeah, that definitely is an interesting look. It, I mean, I don't hear LaMelo Ball on that list. Right. Um, but I think that's because he's going in the top three. Right. Right. Interesting. There's there's also like a growing belief that there's no way James Wiseman gets past number three, too. So you might want to cross him off. Right. Um, that's a good segue, though, because this week the Cavaliers will uh, welcome in some of these. Right, so how will this go? No. It, yeah, the Cavaliers will not welcome them in necessarily, nope. but they will have virtual workouts with all of these, with a bunch of these prospects. No, they'll be in-person workouts. Hey, oh, they will be. Okay, good. Yes, but they're not coming to Cleveland. The Cavs are going to them. Got it. Okay. So some of these prospects are in Atlanta. Some are in Miami. Some are at Impact in Las Vegas. Other ones are in Santa Barbara. Um, and then Los Angeles is another hub for these guys. Uh, one of the trips the Cavs are making this week is Obi Toppin. He's in New Jersey close to his family. Um, he spent some time this offseason at Impact in Las Vegas working out there, preparing for the draft. But now he's home close to his family doing his preparations, probably his final preparations ahead of November 18th from home. So the Cavs are making a trip at some point this week to see Obi in New Jersey. But that's not the only player that they're going to have an in-person workout with this week. Um, I believe, I, I don't have this uh, completely confirmed yet, so I haven't written it. But I'm, I'm getting closer to understanding that it's probably going to be Atlanta for Isaac Okoro and Denny Avdia. Okay. So, But it's um, a big step, Hayden. It's a big step because, you know, yeah. I was talking to people inside the organization and outside the organization about this. There are some teams that are not going to do in-person workouts really? because of the COVID restrictions, because of the travel complications. It's a lot, right? Yeah. Um, and, and some teams feel like in-person workouts could sway what they see on film. Um, right. I talked to J.D. Bickerstaff about this. He wants to see these guys in person. He wants to see how big they are. He wants to see how they move. He wants to see how they respond to coaching. He wants to see how much they can take in in terms of information. And the Cavs value this process greatly. The in-person stuff was part of the reason why they drafted Colin Sexton in 2018. The in-person stuff was part of the reason why they drafted Darius Garland in 2019. Um, it could play a huge part in whether it's Obi Toppin at five or somebody else at five. Um, so the Cavs have made the commitment with the support of Dan Gilbert to make these trips to see these guys in person. The rule is the party can only be three members of personnel, um, and then you can bring a medical staff member if you want some kind of medical evaluation on, on one of these guys. Um, so I'm told that the contingent for the Cavs is going to be Bickerstaff, Kobe Altman, and Assistant General Manager Mike Gansey. Okay. And they'll go. So this week they're going to be flying all over. Yes. So they're because going to be because to, because again, like prospects are split. The only one that I know of that's in New Jersey working out is Obi Toppin, and that's right. because that's for him. 
Um, but Isaac Okoro and Denny Avdi are both in Atlanta, I'm told. I believe Wiseman is in Miami. It's either Miami or Atlanta. It's one of the two. Um, Devin Vassell from Florida State's out on the West Coast. It's a lot tougher for the Cavs, being where they are, to get out to the West Coast, see these guys. There are different COVID protocols in place in different cities that you go to, right? So that's making it a little bit complicated. Um, so it, it's it's a big week for the Cavs because this is the first week that they've done in-person workouts. Everything up until this point, Hayden, has been virtual Zoom interviews. So you do you know who the first workout is going to be? I don't know the timing of it. I don't know the dates. Uh-uh. But you're assuming that they probably have left already or are leaving today? I believe it's tomorrow. Tomorrow. Okay. Got it. Got it, got it, got it. So, I mean, yeah, that's a significant step in, in this process. And I'm sure, you know, things could change. I'm, th- I'm sure, like, what you will oh, hear God, after yeah. these, I'm sure what you will hear after these, um, you know, workouts is what's going to ultimately, you know, be probably a better signal than anything we've gotten so far in terms of what the Cavaliers are going to do in this draft. And look, it's important to get to know these guys on a personal level, too. Part of yeah. this workout, you can... You can work out the guy in person. Like the Cavs aren't running these guys through drills, but they're being invited um, by the agent to see these guys in person. So the Cavs are going to be able to see Obi Toppin work out in person, see the movement skills. But as part of that, Hayden, they can also go out to lunch with him. They can go to dinner with him um, and they can get to know him better. Um, and they can see him in a different kind of environment, which sometimes gives you a better gauge on who the person is um, outside of basketball. Certainly, certainly. So that's, I mean, it'll be a hell of a busy week for them then if they're going to be going all oh, yeah. over. Oh, yeah. I mean, certainly, you know, New Jersey, Atlanta, West Coast, Miami. And, and look, by rule, according to the NBA, there are only 10 of these that the Cavs can do. Okay. Um, and I believe, I believe, this is my understanding that if they want a second workout with the same player, that also counts against the 10. Okay. So they have to be really judicious. Obviously, there aren't 10 guys that they're considering at number five. No. But, like, if in their mind they're thinking about trying to acquire a second-round pick or maybe get into the first round for a second first-round pick, I'm not saying that they are going to consider that. There are complications that come with that. But if that's something that they're thinking about, then, you know, all of a sudden you get up to 10 a lot quicker than you would think. Because there are probably six or seven guys, at least I believe there are six or seven guys that the Cavs are considering at number five. Right. As the, Yeah, so um, that's close enough to 10 already to where yeah. you have to be right. very, very judicious if you want yeah. to stick work out. Um, yeah, I think we'll, we'll definitely next week we'll have to, you know, get into what you're hearing and um how these workouts went i'm sure it's just going to be a difficult process in general just to with all the restrictions and the protocols and and whatever just to you know to get this done in the in the first place i feel like it's a, it's a lot yes i agree so, there's a lot of planning that goes into it and it's very different than most off seasons yeah than any off season Ever. yeah right I mean, between the virtual, you know, combine and all that stuff, I think the biggest thing, too, is, as you mentioned, is like the interview process. Like uh, you can be so, you know, these guys. And again, you said with LaMelo, you know, he was very short on the interview. But like some of it, I feel like can be Zoom. It's just not as personal. Some of it, um, you know, maybe they can change in the opposite way when it comes to 
um, you know, some of these interviews and, the, and such. Without a doubt. There's no question about that. Right. Um, especially for a team like the Cavs that are so focused on culture. Um, they're so focused on fit from a personality standpoint. Um, and they're so focused on what I've been calling repeatedly the controllables. Yep. Those things matter. Again, Colin Sexton's attitude and the way that the organization felt about him, the person on top of the basketball player, meant so much in them drafting him in 2018. It was the day after the NBA Finals. Dan Gilbert was there, and the entire organization was blown away by Colin Sexton, the person, with his attitude, with his competitiveness, with his work ethic, with how hard he went through that workout. Everybody left that workout saying, like, this dude gave us a jolt of energy when we were pissed off and beaten down by getting swept by the Golden State Warriors. You yeah. never know what kind of impression these guys are going to leave. And that's exactly what they'll find out this week. Yep. All right, Chris. Um, like I said, next week we will definitely uh, talk to you about, you know, some of the things that you're hearing in regards <laughs> to what happened on these um, in these workouts with Obi Toppin and others. Um, in the meantime, if you got nothing, if you got anything else, speak now or forever hold your peace. <laughs> no, I think that's about it, man. Yeah. And, all good. We uh, it's good. I'm glad you got to talk to JB and and Andre and hopefully again. Hopefully we continue to get more, um, more and more access going forward. I, I mean, just I hope. I just hope yeah. that we can be in person soon. I don't know. I just every day this COVID thing seems to be getting worse, and I just I just hope and pray it goes away. Yeah. Okay, so I lied. There's one more thing. I do want to uh, say this. Um, I've been able to uncover Obi Toppin because I did a lot of reporting on that over the last couple of days. Uh, they yeah. also met with him virtually for an interview on Thursday. Uh, okay. J.B. Biggerstaff was part of that. Mike Ganzi was part of that. Kobe Altman was part of that. His bad defense came up in that interview, by the way. J.B. Biggerstaff asked him specifically about his defensive struggles. So I think that's important to note. But but just because I've been able to uncover this particular name, that doesn't mean like that's the only guy the Cavs are interested in. He's no. clearly on their radar at number five. I think I've done enough reporting on that to show that. But there are other guys that they're going to work out this week as well. Um, I just haven't been able to confirm those names at this point. Um, so it doesn't mean that because they're going to New Jersey and if they go see Obi first, that means like, okay, he's the guy they're taking at five no matter what. I, d I don't think we're at that point in this process yet. No, I, I totally understand that. Um, and to get more of that information from Chris and to get all of your insight and analysis, sign up for Chris's subtext. You can sign up for subtext on the clue.com slash Cavs page and on the page where this broad or where this uh, podcast will be um, embedded. Uh, $3.99 a month, a 14-day free trial, and Chris will give you updates and texts and analysis and all that you could possibly want to hear about the Cleveland Cavaliers coming from his sources in and around the building. So like I said, $3.99 a month, 14-day free trial, and you can go to the bottom of this page where you're listening to this podcast and you can check out exactly how to sign up. So go check that out. Um, you won't be disappointed and you certainly will want to stick around for more. So subtext, sign up quickly. Chris, thank you for joining us. We appreciate you as always. Everybody, we will talk to you next week, and hopefully, we'll hear a little more about these uh, NBA pro or these uh, NBA draft prospects and what the Cavs think about them. So, thanks so much. We'll talk soon.